Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. We've all returned to our respective corners after convening for for a joyous celebration. Uh, I'm testing yeah. whether uh, the hair of the dog <laughs> works five days later. I, yeah, I think I think it was uh, we 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 did it right and um, definitely needed a recovery day. But could could ha- could and have done it worse. Um, so so uh, you know, but I'm I'm looking forward to a a slightly different speed um, this this past weekend, and I, I could definitely be up to to watch some Saturday morning television without feeling poorly. Well, and. Now you have a new option available to you in your Saturday morning television. You, like me sometimes, are a person apt to get up on the weekends and watch uh, the Premier League slate. Uh, but mm-hmm. but as we, uh, as we sort of rediscovered while we were together in New Orleans, uh, college football's back, and that means... college game days here yeah and and we actually watched a little bit of that together this this past weekend um and and kevin you brought up this the the fact that these are these are all out there we have college game day for football we have it for basketball you mentioned the premier league sean and and they have their game day ish experience but they have it in america so there it's this idea of like getting fans together but I am curious, Kevin. I, I when someone says like that that type of pregame, I'm thinking of the game day type show. But obviously, we also grew up on you know the Fox um, the the Fox pregame for NFL, um, as well as the ESPN one, which I think goes on for about eight hours before the games start. And and for those of a, a certain age group, there was the. Um, Oh, what's the the Susie Kalber and Ron Jaworski one, and Merrill Hodge? It was just tape, like eight a.m. on Sundays. Oh, even before countdown. Just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, this this bothers me. But, NFL prime? No, the it, NFL prime time was the post game. That was between the. It the ran before Sunday Night Football. Yeah. 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 Point is, is is there they they exist in droves. So Kevin, you you kind of put this out there as a topic, and and I was curious, you know, when when someone says pregame show, what is your first thought? Uh, I guess my first thought is kind of simultaneously the college game day and like the Fox pregame show, the mixture between the four old guys at the desk talking about something and then followed by the um you know special interest topics interspersed throughout uh i guess i have a i have a stronger attachment to college game day because these are shows that i interacted with much more in in high school and i feel like it's because i had less responsibility so when i woke up on saturday sunday mornings instead of saying 
oh, I have to do stuff before football starts. It was like, oh, I don't have anything to do before football starts, so I guess I'll mm-hmm. watch these shows. And um, yeah, and I guess it seems like they haven't really changed. And so from my perspective, I'm like, well, what's the point of these shows now? Uh, and especially since we have the internet and all that, but um, well, it might just be me getting older. Well, the the point of these shows as the point of every entertainment product that's existed for the history of time is to get you to watch that entertainment product. College Game Day is just the Today Show for people who put Bud Light on their cornflakes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's an excuse for you to get up. It's put cornflakes in their Bud Light. Sure, it's, you know, you, well, for, you know how proper balance. You, you've seen the. Um, you know, we've all at some point in our lives seen the the sort of commercials for various uh, smoking cessation products like nicotine patches and nicotine gum and shit like that. And they always talk about like, mm-hmm. you know, your dosage is determined by how soon after you get up, you smoke your first cigarette. And this is like this is the yeah. this is the version of that. This is do you do you open your first beer within an hour of getting up on saturday okay well then game day is the product for you like it's you know it's a reason to get you to turn the tv on and uh, and give your eyeballs over to espn's advertisers for four hours yeah and and for some people that was getting up at 8 a.m to watch edge nfl matchup with merrill hodge that's what it was called it it so uh, to, to digress very briefly, I think that that show would be really popular now. I think it exists elsewhere because it was so much like we're going to watch the tape. We're going to put on the all 22. All we're going to do for 22 minutes, technically, is show you how these matchups will work based off of tape. Not like I used to play football. So here are my feelings and whatever the questions are that they ask Stephen A. Smith now that are totally narrative based, which is fine. But I think with these shows too, I mean, you hit on that. This is, this is, it's not free advertising, but it is, you know, free advertising for all of ESPN's games or Fox's games or or whomever. And then also I made a comment while we were watching because they have, (laughs) I, I loved this. First off, they have a countdown at the bottom that says how long before the show is back on the air. I was, I was shocked, shocked that it is three minutes. I was thinking two minutes. I thought ads are about two minutes because I'm used to like Hulu and stuff. But no, it's three minutes of ads between segments that are not very long. And then because they know that you can't go away from the screen and to keep you engaged and so that you don't look at your phone, they have little trivia things at the bottom. So you are always engaged to that screen the whole time. So I think in some ways, you know, Technological technological advancements have gone in many directions, but they've made this this pregame into a true, uh, like optimized form. I, I found it magical. I mean, the only thing I'd, I'd quibble with is that you called it free advertising, and uh, there is a gobsmacking amount of money that's being put into airing that yeah. uh, airing that show every week. But yeah, but it's. I'm I'm thinking now of the parallels between that particular sort of quote unquote evolved experience and the return of movie pass where, you know, the, this thing that 
lots of people loved a few years ago is making a, a quasi triumphant return only if you've read any stories about it you'll you you've probably seen that one of the things that they're discussing as a a possibility for how this is going to work in 2022 is um awarding you credits to get movie tickets by showing you ads and using tracking technology to make sure that your eyes are on your phone screen actually watching the ad like everything all of these you know it's very difficult to it's extremely difficult to hold somebody's attention on some sort of broadcast medium and and it probably has always been kind of hard but it's really hard now and so they're just everyone is pulling out all the stops all the bells and whistles are going into keeping your attention as best as they can like lee corso throwing on a mascot head doesn't get it done on its own anymore yeah uh, but but at the the at the same time i think that it's it's an easier and i don't really know why this is but as i'm looking at it now and we did discuss recently the how positive the narratives around a college sport is you know where you know the story and in all that even if it's rinky dink for some of these college pregame shows even if it's just about the fact that we're live from boone north carolina i'm into that uh, you know if if you know this is not this is not part of these telecasts, but I think of it whenever I see him doing game. But I remember when Todd Blackledge would just go and he'd he'd eat in the college town, and that would be a whole segment. Like I I like that stuff. It brings me in in an otherwise like boring game, or I'll, I'll check in for a little bit on the weekend. And I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> is there is there something to be said for the for the pro ones or or? A, that that's just not as cool a production to me well i I would say the pro ones what's great about them is it's usually like such a such a well-polished production it's like sunday night football like i i enjoy all the effort that goes behind the production more than the game Mm -hmm. itself they just i don't know they everything just seems so polished and smooth um but yeah i find myself less and less interested in the nfl ones Maybe it's because like it's still Terry Bradshaw, just like it was twenty years ago, um, and maybe it's just because the the special interest stories. Like I have a harder time liking them just because I know how much of a problem there usually is with these that they they don't really talk about. And, but yeah, I mean, the college game day can't really be beat because you get all the all the college students excited about it. And one thing with with that like it's cool when they go to places like boone north carolina or like the first time you see them go to clemson but you know i've seen i've seen them go to cameron for basketball so many times i remember the first like the first college game day that i saw when it was the unc duke game it was it was really awesome but then like you know the fifth time through when they're in cameron like okay like they're going to talk about the same same traditions and whatnot well, don't, you know, Chris Fowler, one thing when he kind of retired from doing game day, his big thing was, I will do that after we go to the Grove, after we do a game at, at Ole Miss. And that one is infamous because Katy Perry showed up with a corn dog and, and Ole Miss won. But, 
but I mean, that's the thing is, is I think with the, the NFL ones, they end up being so personality driven people on the set. And that's not to say that the ones for college aren't personality driven. They are, but the place has such value. Like, oh, we're, we're live from Tuscaloosa or Austin or, or Boone, North Carolina. So there's, I think there's more of a balance. So if things shift or you add Pat McAfee as they did this year, or Lee Corso becomes a great grandfather as opposed to a grandfather, I think it, I think it works, it works out. Whereas you mentioned the NBC and how well produced Sunday Night Football is. They rolled out a bunch of new people for their Sunday night thing. And I got a lot of Chris Sims time this past Sunday when I was flipping over. And it is not anywhere near as polished as it used to be. It just felt very clunky. And I'm like, well, that's a brand I really liked. And I'm not as interested. If it had been new people in a cool setting, I may have felt differently. But I it I it lost some of the appeal for me. I'm kind of fascinated by this because you've you've said now that uh, you've sort of said on on two different occasions that the NFL shows are very personality driven, and I have mm-hmm. c- almost a polar opposite view, which is that the people that are on the NFL pregame shows are profoundly interchangeable unless they're bad at it. And so, like, I think what you're noticing with Chris Sims is just that he's new to this, and so he's kind of bad at it. But like, I think all of like the personality and energy is on the college shows that are not in a studio. You know, the only mm-hmm. the only pregame show where I at least I personally find the actual cast of of personalities to be, you know, an interesting draw, one that we haven't touched on yet is inside the NBA. But all of That's the true. all I the NFL shows, that. I think, are just like super vanilla and they're like slickly produced TV where you get half decent analysis and that's about it. But college college game day. I, I mean, the f- I don't know. College game day. Fox, you get the Fox one. Those. Those people have been in our lives for like 20 plus years now. I mean, and when's the last time any of them Terry said Bradshaw, anything interesting? It's well, when, when things that are interesting do get said on these shows, but I, it's, it's like an ephemeral experience. It's like, yeah, I watched the Fox show or I, I live a really sad milk toast life and I watch the CBS show. Like it says a lot about you and I think that comes from the personalized, but it could just be, you know, the word we hate. It could just be the vibe, like your right. vibe is associated with that one. Well, I think with like what kind of what you're saying though, is that you can swap Kurt Menifee with Greg Gumbel and like, you know, it's probably not going to be that different of a show. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas swap Ernie with Greg Gumbel, it's like, you know, complete inside the NBA doesn't happen you know you can't do that so that's why it's such a unique trade charles barkley out for literally anyone except draymond green and the whole thing falls apart that that's true uh that that could also come from football to basketball is hard because i do think that a lot of things in basketball make it such that players have more of a voice so that when they transition off the court into other things there's the continuity in that like 
What's what's the thing about if you speak up at all and you're on an NFL team, it's oh well, you know, I've, uh, on and next one can't be a distraction, stuff like that. Whereas you know, LeBron James just criticized the commissioner of the league rightfully, as did Chris Paul, like in in their own terms via their personal uh, personal uh, media. Space. But I also don't think that like ESPN's NBA pregame stuff is that interesting. Like I. I, I love Jalen Rose to death. Jalen Rose ran out of interesting things to say a long time ago. Paul Pierce is boring, except for like the two times a year he pops off and decides to well, talk wildly ill-advised shit. Well, yeah, he got fired for not being boring uh, out very much outside of TV. Yeah. Um, um. But, but like, but, you know, that's a, a format a where they fashion. it's a format where they continue to employ Michael Wilbon. Sorry. I, no. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's also a different animal when you're Fox and have to deal with, you know, all the all the people in the middle of the country at at 9 a.m. And you don't want to you don't want to make them upset. Yeah. But, you it's know, a different kind of cancel I, culture. I, I do think the the college ones they they really do benefit from a, a live a live audience. I, I, Kevin and I have went to Charlottesville when UVA was on game day for basketball for the first time, and that was a cool experience. Um, even being there and it, it's kind of awkward because they play everything on the the big screen and and you kind of hear them and and everything else, and it's you know. It is a T it's for TV. So it's a strange format, but I thought it was a delight and I would have thought it was a delight if I was at home too. And I routinely feel like that. And I, I think that it is, it is a, a good that these exist. I think one thing about college that's starting to be kind of weird and, and I'd like to get to is that ESPN has kind of owned that lane for college pregame shows for a while. Their game day, that on-location thing, which which again, I think is, is really positive. Fox has situated itself to compete, and they are doing that. Case in point, this weekend, ESPN is, is in Boone, North Carolina, which is really cool because they've never been there before. Um, Fox is at a place that there have been a lot of important football games just not in the last 20 years which is nebraska who is going to get absolutely crushed by oklahoma um because oklahoma is good and nebraska has a new head coach as of now and not just not just have there not been any interesting games there in a long time there arguably might never be an interesting game there again yeah um but how you know kevin to your point of like bringing in the the midwest contingent nebraska oklahoma you get your your big 10 and your big 12 and that's what you want to highlight um and you do that with i believe uh brady quinn matt Leinart, and reggie bush isn't that who's on the fox show oh really Uh, okay i haven't seen it so. Is that all? Is that not the show? It is. is that not the show that Urban Meyer is on? They, I mean, I know it's Fox, but even they would not hire Urban Meyer right now. 
for, they, for their pregame I, show. I believe they've they hired Urban Meyer multiple times in the last like five years. <laughs> Do they have an eighty-year-old man put a mascot on his head every every week? Or... I'm sure they don't. Yeah, Fo- August nineteenth, two thousand twenty-two. Fox announces Urban Meyer's return to college football broadcasts. They rehired him four well, fucking weeks ago. Any, yeah. Uh, in any case, he's in the studio. He's, he's not this, on site. Oh, okay. No. Oh, that's that's smart because the thing about the game day experience is, think of all the signs over the years we've seen, like signs that people have that are behind and they have to get them to take them down or whatever, and the wazoo flag at every single broadcast. Like, it's cool. It's a good experience. And I am, this is one of the times where maybe I want a monopoly because I think introducing this additional competition, it, it could, it could take away from the experience. You know, what if it's, you know, what if the, the Fox one is more, um, really, really tampered down on that eccentric nature of the crowd or, or whatever? Like, I want the, the experience to be the experience. I don't need these different varieties. Yeah, I guess if I'm a student and there are, you know, let's say, extrapolate, say there are four different competing places, I don't think I would get as amped as if there was just one and, you know, even the same if there were two. Yeah, remember our our third year, we really wanted game day to come because our, our, our last football game of the season was for our region of the division or whatever. And they did not come. They went somewhere really stupid instead. And then it was a miserable game. Yeah, they went but, somewhere but, where the team, the home team, didn't lose forty-three <laughs> to nothing or whatever. It was. What? But when you're the only, when you're the only one, when it's the only thing, it, there is that that back and forth of like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Whereas if there's two, it starts to take away from how how special it is. From from a from like a fan perspective, I, I think, and that's that's what a lot of it is is convincing convincing us the fan that that this thing is some like service to us and something we can win as opposed to just another advertising opportunity. I don't I don't really think I buy that that a college a college student is going to be like less excited about you know game day or whatever it is being there because they know that there is another pregame show that exists that doesn't that's not how 19 year olds work yeah they're gonna go will work later in the season when it's i I mean maybe but like they just they just want to get liquored up and go hold up a sign in austin that says nick saban killed the queen of england I mean, you can't prove that he didn't. Maybe, um, maybe the queen pre-heard about Nebraska losing to Georgia Southern. Um, no, I, 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 you're, you're probably right that the the kids don't care. I do re- figure, I do wonder how it will work later in the season when there's a very obvious game that is going to be the one that you want to go to as a pregame show and how do they duke it out to figure out who gets to go? I don't know if they're, if like ESPN or Fox pay the schools to go there. I mean, certainly they get a lot of, you know, it's like the, the stadium financing thing. It's like, well, people will come and you'll get tax dollars from it and it'll come from that. But I wonder if they actually pay them. I don't know the arrangement. 
but they may have to now. If you want to go to if you want to go to Athens in November, um, you may have to pay up. Box Maybe it depends. Or... It's hard to imagine they paid UVA to go when we had for the first time when we've been begging them to come forever. But well, they probably but did there pay was also something. No other. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. I don't think um, it's a thing of like there's a bidding war, and everyone knows that it's going to be. You know, it, everybody knows that Ohio State Michigan is the game of the week, and so everyone is going to be competing to win the bid for that. Like, I, you know, my my best guess is that that's a Fox game, and so Fox gets it. Oh. You raise a good point, which makes the did, whole... Did, did they not just know, sign what, a deal is, to pay the Big Ten a fucking billion dollars? But that's the thing, is that is across a couple different networks. I don't... That that deal is is beyond me, but yeah, it's not it's not only Fox. They have basically the NFL setup, which is a couple here, a couple there, mm-hmm. and I think that they're going to play on an additional night, too. Point being is like that stuff. That stuff will start to matter now. When when it's right. like this is not just our thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just amazed that it's all kind of kept the same formula. It's you're there. It's Terry Bradshaw. It's stories. It's talking about games. You end with the picks, and then you know you move into the game. So like while it's been you've got kind of more ads snuck in there because I guess we have less attention span. It all feels like that they kind of stumbled onto the right formula a long time ago and are just kind of sticking with it. And now that gambling is more legalized, uh, I, I feel like the, the, the jackpot is, is here. Like we've really entered a, a new era. And I think that, it all comes together when they did that uh, remote um, walk the field with uh, Arkansas coach last weekend, and and that's the that's the moment where I was like, this is great. I'm so glad this exists. I'm still not going to watch it every week, even though sure. I used to. But I'm glad that technology and like this format are coming together to to give me something cool. And it is it is innovative. I mean, they just. Threw, threw some airpods on that guy and they're they're talking from hundreds of miles away yeah well look this is another place where game day wins yet again because with you know between this and the gambling chris the bear felica was well ahead of his time mm-hmm. yeah also someone give scott van pelt more money he's he 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 went to the university of maryland and i'm still saying him give him all the money because he he does i don't know if he graduated actually yeah but he, he did somebody just let scott van okay. also just let scott van pelt go to bed before like 3 a.m yeah yeah yeah, well, let's think like the, these people who are popular. It's because they're on the air so late, and no one a shit right. He's he's up specifically for the addicts who who are up chasing with like Hawaii BYU on a random Saturday night, <laughs> trying to recover the money they bet on Nebraska. Yeah, well, that's, I've that's I've been what... there minus the betting. <laughs> gotten back from a party be like well there's got to be a football game on that put me to sleep oh my god and that's when you turn on the bill walton uh like west coast conference games when it's like pepperdine versus saint mary's and that's that's the good stuff you know you can just go to sleep right 
theoretically <laughs> yes or you can put on this podcast and fast forward to about this point in every episode where we do pierce is sorry what are you apologizing for today yeah so i i think i mentioned this to you over the past weekend um uh um so the the marcel proust um i think it was some anniversary of his his death it'll make sense um of his death or something and you know his his novels and um uh, the, the 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 main one uh, the time remembrance uh, of lost yeah, time remembrance of lost time um and that came up and i was uh, reading a little bit about it i was like oh this book is so hard but it's so important for people to read it's one of the best novels blah 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 that that kind of just but in that um this is this is the problem of of translation of novels and it's something that i struggle with a lot and frustrates me a lot and um yeah this apology is to me but also for my fellow students in my french classes and and my french teacher and like not buying in fully because stuff like when when you think of that i think that the title has perdu in it which as as a public school student who learned french in public school that meant lost that always meant lost so that translation comes through of of as kevin said you know lost times you know remember times but but really that is not fully understanding a language and how it can be kind of transient because it also means wasted there there's a very big difference between lost time and wasted time but the way we get things in translations and i had a a um a professor at uva that we talked a lot about this for for some kafka books and and there uh and uh there there were particular stories where you read the first line and he'd read it and he'd be like this is a terrible translation because you are not understanding the mood that the author is trying to convey here so right out of the gate you don't understand and i think it's just it's really just to say is i i feel bad that i did not fully embrace um, you know, I did not fully embrace learning a second language. And I think a lot of people that I was, I was in class with felt the same because it was about, you know, accomplishing a test score or whatever else, as opposed to like, I am really interested in how this language works. And that's to say, I, I think I've come to appreciate things more as I do, you know, whatever the, the, the apps are to learn languages when I've gone on foreign trips. And I'm going to continue to try to do that because, I want to understand the language as opposed to just be able to craft a sentence with correct syntax. So I'm, I'm sorry for, for not embracing language because it's all we got. I don't remember talking about Proust or Kafka over the past weekend. Yeah. Was this before or after we opened the bottle of scotch? Also a, a quick Google search, uh, suggests that, uh, it's only, more recently become known as in search of lost time when it was actually originally mm-hmm. translated as remembrance of things past i just I mixed again them. <clears throat> those are th- that those are so different and, and <laughs> one translator said this and another said that and imagine the rest of the book all eight billion words of it <laughs> yeah this is this is my point so I, I really like reading Murakami, and that is being translated from a a, a non romance language to another non romance language in English. Like so, uh, shout out to the translators out there. You're you're doing your best. 
do, do we not just spend the last few minutes talking about how they're not doing a very good job of it? I think they're doing as well as they can, but I, I am not doing a good job of like trying to 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 challenge myself to read things in, as as the author wanted them to be. Yeah. And this is the whole this is the whole thing with with like Netflix and how they wanted to speed up the the movie so you could watch the the TV shows at one and a half times. As as an author, I'd be like, absolutely not. It was one thing to put the subtitles in so that people could, you know, uh, have it in other languages. But no, that like that's a bridge too far. So, all right. Uh, well, we'll we'll move on now that we've discussed Proust, which is a, certainly a first on this show. Um, and, and we'll we'll go from the highbrow back to very much the lowbrow uh, for the big idea from pop culture. Um, I just finished last night uh, the book Blood in the Garden, which is uh, the history of the 1990s New York Knicks by SI oh. writer Chris Herring. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. a fun read for, for the basketball fans out there. Uh, but I, I'm I'm particularly tickled um, by a moment late in the book as the the team is starting to break apart in the late '90s, uh, and there's a moment where there's a deal struck between a Grunfeld and a Grunwald. That would be a soon to be fired Knicks GM Ernie Grunfeld. Uh, dealing with uh, Toronto Raptors executive Glenn Grunwald to ship Charles Oakley north of the border for a young Marcus Camby. But I just I knew I knew my audience, and I, I knew I, I knew a, a reference to Ernie Grunfeld would get a, a couple yeah. knowing that chuckles. A, that must have been a career ender there. <laughs> but but at the same time, that's. That's pretty good for an Ernie trade. That's you know a young Marcus Camby was was fine, and old Charles Oakley was a you know basically Rocky in the Rocky Balboa movie. He can punch you, but his joints don't work anymore. Yeah. Um, and you also in this book discover quite fascinatingly uh, that Latrell Sprewell is much more of like a a thoughtful and considered person than mm-hmm. I think anyone who only knows the things about him that you expect someone would know about Latrell Sprewell. Like he he truly is much deeper than than the picture of him you have if all you know about him is choke the coach and I got to feed my family. Uh, so I in that sense, it was a, a really, really well done job by by Chris Herring to to put this book together. So, would highly recommend Blood in the Garden if you are into basketball. I also know that um, the Latrell Sprewell is is known additionally for having the uh, spinner shoes, which on the side, if you stepped on them, it would look like there was a spinner. There was actually something that spun because he was. A good, a very good basketball player at the time when spinners were something people had on their cars. <laughs> I, I haven't seen those in a long time, and I live in Atlanta, so if they were going to exist anywhere, it would be here. 
but yeah. Yes, no, I would, sounds like that sounds like a good book. I would assume that you'd see lots of spinners in your neighborhood in Atlanta. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do it. Let's do the thing we haven't done in a couple weeks. Uh, it's time for a Rolling Stone rock trivia question, and your question today is: In the song "Back Down," Fifty Cent claimed that Ja Rule sounded like what? Is it A. Yoda? B, a gravel mixer, C, cookie monster, or D, Jennifer Lopez? This is a rock and roll trivia question. <laughs> sure. I'll go cookie monster. Oh, I was going to say that, so I'm going to say something different. Um, I'm going to say Yoda. Cookie Monster is correct. Yes. Good ah. on you, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it, it, at many other different times, uh, 50 Cent has referred to Ja Rule in several other ways. Uh, I would assume most of which we can't say on this podcast for very good reason. Um, and did stuff like buying out the entire first row of his concert so that no one would be in the seats. <laughs> 50 cent truly a uh a, a master of the petty arts if you have not seen it i would encourage you uh to seek out uh a, a video of um what he directed to floyd mayweather during the height of the als ice bucket challenge Oh, again, we cannot, we can't discuss it on this podcast for very obvious reasons, uh, but mm -hmm. it will, I believe, invoke one of those involuntary chuckles that happens deep in your chest. So, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hurry, hurry up, hurry up so we can all go do yes. that. You know, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Test